everyone, and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. This is our first part of our 2021 F1 season review. Uh, I'm joined by two people who didn't get punched in the face by Tyson Fury on Saturday. It's Freddie Coates and Adam Dickinson. How are you both? Did you miss me on the last episode, yes or no? Yes, um, we did miss you on the last episode. Yeah. Don't say um, um Adam. <laughs> I, I just want to point out on your introduction to us, I feel very bad for Chisora. That that match should have been ended much earlier. But we anyway, did get four million quid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And probably brain damage. Um hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Like goodness me. But anyway, um other than that lovely image for the starting the start of the podcast, I'm, I'm I'm doing very well. I'm happy to be here. Um thank you to my sponsors and so on. I do, I do it's, it's quite nice to just talk to Freddie sometimes. So <laughs> it is it much is. calmer. It's less heated yeah. than when you two are up against each other in a ring. In a ring. one day. Imagine. <laughs> I have a cage fight at the Kentigan at Brands Hatch. You are the one who would organise that. So it's on you, really. It's not. Yeah, we we um, yes, yes. Moving yes. on, uh, we're talking about our top five drivers of the year in this first part because, well, obviously, number one and arguably number two is quite simple. Simple, but before below that is quite difficult. Let's start with number one then. Uh, Lance Strutt, no, Max Verstappen, uh, as number one. Oh, that's uh, me. <laughs> I mean, that's we're doing most underrated later, so he might come <laughs> into that. Yeah. Nigel, we, we were talking before this podcast about whether we do a, a worst ranking of a few drivers. And I just said, no, I don't want to be mean. And he's just gone straight in there by dunking on last stroll. <laughs> well, now, we've put, well, now we've pressed record. I've changed. Uh, the staff yes, is a reasonable person, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> the staff, uh, I mean, we talk about him pretty much every, after, after every race because he wins most of them, 15 <laughs> race wins this year. Uh, set new records, of course. I mean, what else is there to say that we haven't said before, Freddie? Well, yeah, I think he's, you know, he's walked the championship and walked a championship that really was one he could potentially not have been able to walk based on other factors, such as for a dominant season, it was never really that dominant. It was Max Verstappen who was dominant, but, you know, qualifying wasn't dominant at all. A lot of the races were very open, I'd say. And it's just he gave that extra little spark that that worked, and it was very very impressive driving. I think sometimes it was a little bit um, max, let's say. Uh, you know, you look at all the sort of uh, what should be realistically quite an easy storyline for him, a narrative of you know just diligent performance, 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 doing very well, very happy. There's still room for. <laughs> controversies and things to get under everyone else's collars and stuff like that and that's just it seems to be the the um brush that you have to paint the max verstappen story with which is consistently footnoted but you know you can't drive that perfectly for the majority of the races of a season without being an excellent driver and being deserved to be ranked number one in yeah. the yeah. winging it f1 top five drivers of the year <laughs> rankings <laughs> there's no like trophy for this or anything unless either of you want to contribute but you know i'm, I'm out of that uh so yeah i think um I'd, like we've got we're talking about most underrated drivers after this and i'd always be tempted to put verstappen in that conversation because i do think people just don't appreciate like 
like Freddie said, just how much he has contributed to the dominance of it. So, um, yeah, just that really. I think, again, like I said this after Brazil, there were his kind of reaction to, um, oh, sorry, after Abu Dhabi and Brazil, kind of his reaction to what happened there and obviously what happened in Brazil, I think betrayed maybe, um, is a bit disappointing. I don't know. I thought he had kind of moved beyond that, but it felt like a bit of a return mentally to some of his former years in F1. But in terms of like on the track, you know, A, that was one or two race weekends and, be you know in terms of his uh on track efforts then it was you know pretty pretty flawless so yeah i, I see it similar to hamilton in 2018 where there should have been a much bigger title fight but it wasn't because the driving made the difference but i'd say what was better than hamilton in 2018 is i think the staff made less mistakes and for me he got absolutely no weaknesses and he hasn't had a bad weekend in terms of performance like say qualified and the race where he's been off the pace compared to his teammate. I'd say I'm going to go as far as ever in F1. I can't obviously remember Toy Ross on that well in 2015, but I can't remember any race weekend the where he's been like off the pace. The 18 Red Bull weren't necessarily... But I thought on raw, on raw pace, he was right. He just made silly mistakes, like spins in Australia and China and that thing. But on raw pace, he's always there. And that, to me, is ridiculous. Even Hamilton, he has two or three weekends a year say like Russia or in Austria or like the first race of the season where he's just not quite there compared to Bottas or, or, or Russell this year. But Verstappen, I can't remember that ever happening. And that is just mad to me. Yeah, so, very, very yeah. good. Very good, very good, very good. Yeah, um, so. It's, you know, there are obviously races where there are mitigating factors that threw him off, like Singapore, for instance, mm. and um, this year. Um, but uh, realistically, I think is that is that a one-off? I mean, Silverstone was a bit difficult, but that was damage, wasn't it, to his floor? Yeah, um, Silverstone, he he would have won without that yeah. damage. And Singapore, if it wasn't for the team making the wrong call in qualifying, he would have been on pole. Probably would have won the race, and even Monaco as well. Like, okay, we we know it could have been a bit controversial now, but he wasn't exactly like off the pace. He was just stuck in that three, four, four car train, really. Yeah. So. Without, with Monaco, pace, you can argue the other drivers were on the pace. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I would suggest perhaps Hungary was a weird weekend. He still won it, but he spun on his way to the win. The qualifying was odd. And, you know, he's, it wasn't clean. And I think if Ferrari didn't put hard tyres on, yeah, that wouldn't have been, you know, that spin would have been very costly. And he was lucky it wasn't. There are elements of that but you know we're, we're drilling into minutiae here because of the, in the grand scheme of it he won 15 out of 22 races and that's very very good yeah it's unbelievable just quickly what do we think his best drive was this year obviously it's very I've put you on we didn't talk about this before I, I probably should have brought it up why is this coming oh. to my head now no I think it's got, easy Spa Spa Adam just the fact that he won that race in a third of the race after starting where he was 14th 13th on the grid and just was at ease with supreme pace that just when you look at that you think he's you think it's it's everyone's you know just letting him through and just deliberately driving at five percent while he's driving at 90 percent. but he was driving at five percent while everyone else was driving flat out and he was still wiping the floor mm. yeah i'm probably agree. I mean, it's like there's been a lot of um yeah there's, there's kind of been a lot that you just don't think about i mean like I don't know, like Abu Dhabi, he just cleared off and that was that. Like, you know, it's kind of, 
but yeah, in terms of um, yeah, like notable performances, like Spars probably the top there. Yeah, I think for, go, shout go out for Suzuka and Saudi Arabia as well. I was, yeah, I was thinking Saudi Arabia as well as kind of yeah, that really set the tone. Um, especially after what had gone wrong in Bahrain, that really set the tone for the season. So yeah, that'll probably be the one I'm throwing second. Yeah, and considering it was so close to the previous year, it really sort of did wonders for Max's racing, I think, to be honest. Mm, yeah, for me, I think it's Canada. I think it's qualifying performance in the wet. It's mm. fastest in Q1, Q2, Q3. And then in the race, he was challenged by Sides. I know some people feel Sides was never going to win. But I think Ferrari would had the fastest car that day. And Verstappen yet again made the difference, came under pressure at the end after the safety car, held Sides off as well. So for me, I think Canada and Spa and top two. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, number two, then I have gone for Charles Leclerc. I think Adam has as well. Uh, Adam, your case for Leclerc. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of one of those like if you look at how we started the season and how we went out in his first like real chance to challenge for Ferrari, and let's not forget that you know he is he's not been in that Ferrari. For that long and you know he's not been in f1 for that long in the grand scheme of things and he's you know there challenging i think he's had the beating of science for most of the season and you know he did i think he was let down he had a few errors but um kind of also let down by ferrari and i think that i, th- I think he felt like he needed to do everything and if he had had a functioning team i don't i don't think he makes all of those errors because he's not kind of having to bring everything into account he can just run his race so yeah um Obviously, second in the championship, maybe labelled it a bit more than he might have against Perez, but still second in the championship when Red Bull clearly had, you know, the fastest half of the second half of the season. Um, you know, it's it's hopefully something to build on for next year, but still a very, very good showing this season. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I think, yes, he had those mistakes in Imola and France, which cost him points, especially Paul Ricard. But two mistakes over 22 races, when you need your first title fight, I think for most drivers, rather than the Stafford and Hamilton, maybe that is still an excellent season. So I think Leclerc for me is comfortably number two. Some of his performances as well have been sensational. I mean, his winning Bahrain at the start of the year was just brilliant. Like, it was pretty much a flawless weekend. Uh, so, and I agree on the point that for, if he was at a different team, he wouldn't have had to, let's say, overdrive a bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I, I think he's had, he's overdrove a few times, and that's cost him, especially in the second half of the season when Sainz was beating him at times as well. So for me, Leclerc is number two, but I believe Freddie might have a different answer. Yeah, I'm I'm ranking those um, slight mistakes probably a bit higher than you because I don't think they're very slight. Mm. Um, I do think that. Um, the France crash was incredibly costly to just any mentality for the team and for him going forward. Um, you could argue that Verstappen had a, such a lead there, but I don't. I think we, he, the only the lead he had was closed in the year before by uh, Hamilton at a similar point in the season. So I don't. I do think that that championship could have gone two ways at that point. It could have gone to Leclerc or to Verstappen, and it went completely to Verstappen because of Leclerc and I I think you know I'm I think despite like you say all the other reasons that are fantastic like yeah he was the faster driver his pace at Silverstone for instance was mad and just the fact that he didn't win that was just not on him at all and you look at other races that 
were just brilliant. Like Australia was um, one of the drives of the season uh, for, for a race winner. And that being said, in the context of Leclerc's season, he had costly errors. So I'm marking him down to third and bringing up to second, a driver I think just performed just under the radar fantastically, but not under the radar as well because it was just also just so fantastic he's the only non-big six to get onto the podium and that's Lando Norris who uh, just I'm, I'm, I'm hard pushed to think of many much negativity to say about his season he's, want, he's, he's once again just been excellent 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 behind the wheel of a of a weird car um, and that you know that, the fact that that team was in fighting for fourth place in the Constructors Championship is majority majorly because of him and he's a, a ridiculous best of the rest in the driver's standings. And you look at that and you think, oh, McLaren's a clear sort of fourth place car, but it wasn't at all. But Lando yeah. Norris's performance was. So I think that stands out. I'm interested when, when you say that you think it could have gone, the championship could have gone one of two ways at France, either to Leclerc or Verstappen. Like what, you know, do you I think? Mean to, I mean more to Leclerc continuing in the fight rather i don't think it would have been won there i don't think the stuff would have been way behind i mean i think but i do think that was where the championship was lost is what i'm trying to say with that mm. I, I think i don't know i think in the grand scheme of things it doesn't like maybe the staff would have had to wait another week to win it i don't think it kind of makes that much difference in the grand scheme of things but i do think that your norris argument is very strong. I'm very tempted to defect to the Norris side. I think Norris has made a couple of mistakes as well. I'm just trying to remember them, <laughs> which is bad, bad to explain. But I'm sure he has made a Was it Brazil? What did he do in Brazil? What happened in Brazil? Something happened in Brazil. I can't remember. Oh, he did. There was the Leclerc crash. Um, yeah, there's like tiny mistakes like that. And I'm, he's probably made a couple which I've either forgotten about or we haven't seen that haven't been in the spotlight because he's been in the midfield. No, I do think that the Leclerc understeer tap isn't as big as a, an unforced error like, like Charles oh, Leclerc yeah, did. Yeah, no. um, and then Brazil, he retired with a gearbox problem or something like that. He just had mechanical problems in the end. But his pace in the first place to put him up there fighting Leclerc is laudable. Mm. I, yeah. I think I, mean, I would... He was ill as well, so I've got about that. Yeah, I, I think I will switch. I think especially the Constructors' Championship point... Um, yeah, I don't. I I really don't think McLaren should have been able to fight that. I think part of that is kind of down to some Alpine mistakes and reliability failures and stuff like that. And McLaren developed very well as the season went on. But having said all of that, you know, there's no way they should have been really there. And Norris kind of single-handedly dragged them to that. So yeah, I think I will put Norris Norris uh, a second ahead of Leclerc. I'm tempted. It's just difficult for me to put someone who's not fighting for the wins or hasn't fought for the wins all year. So he's, the pressure hasn't been the same. So to me, it's a bit less impressive just because, just because of that. And it's not his fault, of course. But for, yeah, I, I feel for I, any I, driver, it is hard. If I, I think, but then, but then the way they cope under the pressure um, can work both ways. And Leclerc coping under the pressure results in costly mistakes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Kind of the trade to me, it kind of equalizes where the the pressure is traded off by making two i mean especially um front being a massive mistake um yeah that kind of nullifies that i was kind of off the same boat but i do think it kind of nullifies um 
that. So, so it's very difficult because they do they, you know, you look at the pace and the performance of both drivers, and there are some moments like Leclerc's pole position rate just churning them out is yeah. is excellent. But then the conversion, obviously, um, you do have to hand some of that to Leclerc. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Not all of yeah. it, obviously. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Not all of yeah. it. Like yeah. he didn't break down his engine in Barcelona. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he won France. In France, so he, he won one race during or since the European season started at Imola. It was a kind of absolutely massive cliff dive from him winning two, two out of the first three to only winning one for the rest of the season. Like you could, if if you said that to me after Australia, I just wouldn't have believed you. Well, your name but, of our Australia podcast was Leclerc versus the world, and the world won. What, what I'd say is even take that, even like without those errors that he made, if you say he didn't make those errors, he, he would only have like three, you'd have like three or four wins, maybe, which you'd still be surprised by because most of the errors were not his fault. That would be much. So, I, I guess the difference in our opinions are for me, it's more on Ferrari, whereas you guys put a little bit more on, the yeah, car. I'm not basically like, the driver on Ferrari. I'm not, I'm not yeah, basing yeah. the driver's ranking based on the fact that Ferrari put the wrong tyres on in Hungary. Yeah, like that. yeah. I mean, you know, on the flip side, if Norris was in the Ferrari car, he would have been in a car capable of challenging for wins and fighting at the front, whereas that's something you're counting we're, we're, this is against him. Too that, yeah, well, no, but, <laughs> but I just mean, like, you kind of, you know, counting a team against him, but then, like, you know, you're saying that you can't give it to him because he wasn't fighting at the front, whereas, like, no one could have in that McLaren. So... Yeah. Yeah. And again, anyway, it gets, it gets too murky. Uh, um, I, I, I but I do room. think I do think Norris is the driver that a team would look for rather than Leclerc if they were hiring. If you're Mercedes, I think they'd hire Norris over Leclerc. Yeah. Okay. So Freddie and Adam have gone Verstappen, Norris Leclerc. I've gone Verstappen, Leclerc, Norris. Number four. We kind of mentioned it once in the planning, but I forgot. Uh, so we don't really know who each other has gone for. I'm going to come to Freddie first. Who is your number four driver of 2022? Lewis Hamilton. <clears throat> because I just think the way he matured into that car and matured into that season was very impressive. Um, purely on pace, because I do think he made some errors. You look at the Spa um, collision with Alonso, and that was his fault and things like that. Um, but you also look at the 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 record of qualifying from wherever it is, Canada to, I think, realistically to yeah, um, <laughs> Mexico, really. Yeah. He out-qualified George Russell, can just hand over fist. And that there wasn't any visible drop-off in George's performance. It was a visible rise in Lewis's throughout the, the year. And I think to come back from the way he did after 2021 and to sort of perform in f1 again and you know he was fighting for the the win in uh usa he was fighting he was the, the sort of lead fight in mexico um and it, it just went very well for him i think despite you know obvious not goods just that performance against russell in the end won me over because russell is very good what I would say to that is, now before I say who I've got as four, four to seven or eight is really, really close. But for four, you're going to hate me for this. I'm going for Fernando Alonso. 
<laughs> not, I, I knew you were going for Fernando Alonso. <laughs> I know you. You just want to be uh, Andrew Benson. I, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very nice compliment, that. Yeah, uh, actually, I would want to be Andrew Benson. Good on him. Uh, I just think... Now, I know he goes on about every race being his best race or that, but I generally think this is one of his best seasons. I think he's had an excellent season. The championship standings don't show uh, that Alonso has been better than Ocon, which is obviously, well, not obviously, it, it is the case, uh, even though he's finished behind. He's still had so many points lost through engine problems and that kind of thing, or bad luck, bad strategy. And I just feel he... I, I, I just think he's been better than both Mercedes drivers. I think he's made less mistakes. I just think he's been more impressive for me by like a tiny bit. I, I, I think the mistakes is what makes the difference to both Hamilton and Russell for me with Alonso. So that would be my argument. Yeah, what, yeah he has your, performed who, very who, well. He has performed very well. I, I who have you got in fourth, Adam? Oh, go uh, I've, got, I've got Hamilton. I think it's kind of similar. Um, maybe you're lucky not to have more kind of headline results. I think Hamilton could have got a win on a couple of occasions and it didn't come round for him. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I think maybe Hamilton's arc has been a bit more, um, there's been kind of more to it where, you know, he came, came into the season and it was kind of new territory for him up against Russell. And he has just like really grown, you know, he was, he was good at the start, but he's just like grown and grown and really, I think got everything out of Mercedes apart from um, the win. So yeah, I just kind of think maybe he he did a bit more. Um, you know, if you're comparing his start of the season to the end of the season, I think both were very good. But you can definitely see that trajectory going upwards across the season, whereas Alonso didn't have that. Yeah, I, I you could say that that's because Alonso sort of hit the ground running. Like he should, as much as we can say he should have got on the front row or very high in Australia. It's a hard one to sort of determine if a hydraulics issue in a gearbox yeah. means he crashed that's a you know it's an interesting one but was it a gearbox issue or did he crash we don't really know but um like he he had the pace to be in that conversation and canada qualifying as well was excellent and definitely one of the best moments of the season um but then again like you look at other moments when you know austria uh, espen ocon was just way ahead uh suzuka ocon as well, but and that's because in the sprint, Alonso started last into because they forgot. Yeah, but he, quali- he qualified behind Ocon anyway. Um, for the sprint. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, but they're kind of. It's a difficult one to rank him on because Ocon is also an excellent driver, and I've I've got Ocon in my top. If we're going, you know, we're going around with this in my top seven anyway. 20. It goes, but it goes like four-way tie for fifth place. They both perform fantastic. Yeah, basically, it is a three-way tie for fifth place with Russell, Alonso, and Ocon for me. Like, I'm still deciding on that. Um, I think as well, like you can. I mean, we talked in our mid-season review rating, and I think I I kind of underrated Hamilton. That was the harshest on him out of all of us. But you know, he did. I think you can tie. Mercedes progression and George Russell's win in Brazil to kind of the work that he did developing the car and running kind of different setups early on and really just putting his all into figuring out how to make that car go and how to make it race win worthy alongside the rest of the Mercedes team. It wasn't obviously a one man band, but I think that's maybe what I mean in terms of the arc. I think he really, you know, outside of just his performances, I think he really drove the team on to be the team that it was at the penultimate race of the season and kind of in the running at the end of the season. All right, I'm going to drop to Alonso to fifth 
I would say, I would say that um, you can make an argument against Alonso in that kind of vein for the way he sort of drove a wedge in the team um, midway through the season and things like that. And you know, you look at the overspill around um, after Brazil and going into Abu Dhabi and now after Abu Dhabi, lots of very just random stuff in the press that's very open and candid about him saying, I can't wait to leave this team and Ocon saying, I'm really happy he's gone and things like that. And it's, it's, it does just play on your mind a touch that that's not amazing and kind of helped the performance of where they are in the team. But also you could also say they've got fourth in the championship and that's very good. And, you know, you've got to hand that to, to him. I put more of that on Alpine, I think. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, I'll drop Alonso down to fifth. But I'm not going to have Hamilton in fourth. I'm going to say Russell's in fourth. I'm, I'm actually surprised they've both put Hamilton just ahead of obviously by a tiny bit, but ahead of it's honestly, Russell. yeah, point of a decimal. Yeah, but for me, I think Russell gets it on the moment. I think pole position and the win, and that's what sport's about being first. The bit on the moment, Russell was there to, to take it, and Hamilton wasn't. And I Obviously, like, I think I've been saying that Hamilton, like Freddie said, since Canada probably has been slightly the better driver overall. But I think Russell Russell's has been so impressive. And, and I didn't expect him to be this good for his first season at Mercedes. Yes, he's had, uh, let's say, the Mercedes training, like the perfect run to the seat, being at Williams and watching over Hamilton's back for five years and that kind of thing. But to still deliver, to still to get a pole, to get a win, to beat Hamilton at like 50% of the races or so, that is impressive. And I think that just edges it over Hamilton for me, although I still think Hamilton's had a very good season as well. Oh, yeah. Russell's fourth for me. He hit the ground running impressively, didn't he? And mm. the sort of, the the consistency of Russell is, is amazing and fran- frankly, brilliant for a driver stepping up to that role yes we knew he could do it yes we knew he was fantastic in Sakir in 2020 and we knew how much he wiped the floor with all with um Kubica and Latifi Kubica particularly a very canny teammate and he was a rookie um and so we knew he was fast and he was good but to translate that so readily into um into the the senior team is very impressive Mm. Yeah. I, I have Russell fifth for again, like it's it's close between Hamilton and Alonso, but it's there's there is space there and there's space there for me to put Russell in. I think he has very not put Hamilton ahead is yeah, just like I think you know he he did just you know really come into it from really Canada onwards. From Canada onwards, Russell finished in races they both finished, Russell finished ahead of him three times and one of those was the win. But so you know, I, I see where you're coming from with the moments, but um yeah, I just think Hamilton had there is a definite edge there. And I think Hamilton had it over kind of the a large bulk of the season. But yeah, in terms of Russell, it's still you know absolutely fantastic how he just got in, got into the seat and you know went up against one of the one of, if not the best to ever do it, and was yeah. competitive and, and won a race and finished out of him in the championship and came into a team that was Hamilton's team, even though Russell was, you know, a, has obviously been in the Mercedes program, then it's been a team that Hamilton has dominated and been the dominating figure yeah. in. So yeah, for him to come out of that with a win and just have the season that he had was spectacular. So yeah, it's it's a very it's, as as we said, it's very close between all of them. But um yeah, I think Russell definitely deserves a place in the top five just again for that kind of arc of the questions coming into the season and he answered all of them. What yeah, what, I, I, I agree. What, Russell's my 
my five, but realistically, it's a joint fourth with Hamilton and then Alonso's fifth, so it's top six. But um, <laughs> um, because well, how it works, it, it, it is how it was maths. Um, not. <laughs> Not not we're we're, we're famously bend physics to make cars go fast. I'm bending physics to rank drivers. Um, but yeah, his racecraft just immediately was excellent. Uh, you know, you look at the battle he had in Spain, brilliant stuff. Um, you look at just the way he just cleared off in the sprint in Sao Paulo and the, the race. Brilliant stuff. Really impressive. Last thing I'd say on the Mercedes thing is I do think Hamilton has uh, has had a lot more bad luck, especially with safety cars and that kind of thing. And that might have... Well, I forgot about think. that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, he has. And I, I think I've said that throughout the season as well. But And I still think Hamilton is the better driver. But does it this year, Russell is slightly better, if that makes sense. So Hamilton is a better driver, but this year, Russell just about... It was a bit like Sainz-Lefair last season. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that, yeah. I think yeah. Mercedes have got a fantastic driver to pass the baton onto as well. Because um, there is always the eternal question of this really old for a, for a driver, driver in your team, you're still there, but you do have to think about the future. And it, Mercedes is future-proofed for a long time with George Russell. Mm, absolutely. Uh, last thing we're going to touch on in this little episode, that was it's not little, it was about 45 minutes, in this episode is most underrated driver. It can be someone we've mentioned. It can be someone who we've not mentioned. Adam, who have you gone for? Um, I mean, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a difficult one. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, to be interesting, then I'm not going to go for someone that we've mentioned before. <laughs> Um, so you're not going to go with what you actually think is what you're saying. I'm not going to consider. I'm not going <laughs> to. I don't kind of. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. It's just easier to not consider. It's easier to wipe out five drives than what's a difficult one anyway. I think. I think Albon is well rated. I think he's had a fantastic season. He's kind of. Um, you know, maybe. You know, there's been a lot of great drives this season, but he was kind of unlucky, maybe not to be mentioned at all in our top five. But I think. Um, yeah, he's he was well rated in the season, so I'd maybe I maybe say Vettel because I do think he had a much better swan song than people appreciate, and especially coming on towards the end of season, then he really came on strong. So I think I don't think that you can have the world championship, sorry, the world champion be underrated overall because he is still world champion. Is we all ranked him number one. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the, the definition of rating. It's like how, you know how how much how much kind of further up can you go in their rating? So yeah, for that reason, I'm going to say Vessel. I just think he had much better running. I think people did start to appreciate him in his very last few races, but I really think yeah. he was stronger from a lot earlier in the season. Yeah, Freddie, it is a really hard one because I think both the drivers that Adam just said I would have put sort of nine or ten in a top ten list. I reckon. Yeah. Um, and but completely well deserved to be there, and I think Adam's completely right. Vettel's sort of shackle-free races after the after the summer break were brilliant. You, you know, Suzuka, Austin, uh, the fact that he got to Q three in in Abu Dhabi was vintage Vettel, and was a performance that won proved why he won championships. Obviously, those performances were were fewer and far between, but um, they were there. But I, it's a, it's a tricky one. Underrated. It's, I'm just, I'm treating it more as a shout out, I guess. <laughs> yes. Because um, I feel like we've rated everyone pretty well throughout the year. I don't think there's anyone who 
has gone under the radar. I can tell you mine if you want. Yeah, I, I, I am sort of leaning towards the Alfa Romeo drivers, but for different points of the year. Okay. <laughs> now, I think I think Bottas's first half of the year was unbelievable. I thought it was brilliant to go into a new team and to hit the ground running like that so well and to essentially guarantee that team sixth from the constructors is brilliant. And then I think the way Joe then responded to that by being an equal for the second half of the season is also excellent. So I'm sort of giving it to the Alfa Romeo team. Just to leave everyone in suspense for Nigel's a bit longer then, I do think it's been a bit, it's been a bit of a weird season where there's been pairs of drivers have done a lot better. It felt like in previous seasons you did have, it was kind of quite easy to do a top 10 because a lot of teams there was a dominant driver and not. Whereas yeah. really this season there's been Ferrari, Red Bull and um, Mc, uh, McLaren, I'd say. Oh, and then Williams in that. Back it. So I guess that is really hot, but um, but yeah, I think you know there was a, there was just a really standout driver and a not standout driver in the teams. Whereas this year it's not. There's been you know both Alpines have been strong. Obviously both Mercedes, both AlphaTauris have been kind of around the same level. I'd say so. You know it's kind of not been where it's been in previous seasons where it has kind of been easier to just pick a team leader for a lot of the teams. I've I'm gonna go with someone who I think should still be on the grid next year. It's Mick Schumacher. I think is he has made well, yes, he's had two big crashes, of course, and that has ultimately potentially cost him his seat. But I do think a lot of people didn't see how close he was or even ahead of Magnuson in the second half of the season. And I really don't think he should have lost out to Hulkenberg. He's if it was well, yeah, I'd I'd say not mean to Linked to Adam's point, the quality, the quality of the grid is very high, and I can't help but feel if this was three or four years ago, Schumacher would still keep his seat. It's just the way that things have happened, he's not. And I think at a different team as well, I'd love to see him not at Haas because I don't believe that Haas have a, let's say, the right mentality with F1, let's say, in terms of their management. So I think Schumacher would do very well at a different team, and even at Haas. I still think he's done quite well and should have kept his seat. So he's my underrated driver. That is some, yeah. I mean, I kind of, I think the Haas thing does play into why I thought he should lose his seat because it kind of just didn't seem a good match. But I think, you know, he has, it's a difficult one for him because he's been evaluated as a second year driver, but he's, I mean, he said himself, he kind of feels almost like a rookie driver seeing as he was with Mazepin and Haas was so uncompetitive last year. So it's, you know, it's a bit of a difficult one with how he's been evaluated, but it is the way of the world. So. There we go. It's F1. Yeah, I would just say on Mick, and there are just points where he seemed like he, you'd think, oh, that was really good. And then next week, not really that good. And there didn't seem to be much sort of correlation between his season, if that makes sense. And okay. it was just like, he can do it, but he's also not doing it. And it just seems to be a bit kind of random rather than um, stringing it together. And I think had that been able to sort of be you know, Adam talked about the arc of Hamilton's season. The The arc of Mick's season was, had some good bits, had some bad bits, and they were sort of scattered around. And it, there wasn't really a connection there, which you can sort of easily pinpoint apart from, it's just seemingly random. And then things like, like the, the, the crash in, after FP1 was finished in Suzuka and things like that, you just kind of look and just go, uh, Mick. And, you know, it's hard. It's a hard one because I think 
his pace was very good, but then it's the second year factor and things like that. And his pace sometimes wasn't very good. I think so, he should have got more than two points finishes as well in that half. Yeah, Miami was on the cards, wasn't it? And and Bahrain. That's, that's that's the strategy team for me. The strategy team. Well, oh, going to it. They have let both drivers down. Schumacher in in particular. I I think some of Schumacher's like if you just look at Wikipedia and see his results or whatever, you'll say, oh, he's had a bad race, but he's not. He was close to the points or could have been in the points. It's just for some reason they put they decided to put him and put him out in traffic or whatever. Just ugh. so yeah, I, I for me, I think there has been a trend from like after Monaco onwards uh, that has been up. It just maybe hasn't been up enough. I'd say, mm. but yeah. Uh, he'll be flitting uh, around the paddock I, yeah. I do think it'll be interesting to see depending on some of the rookies next year it'll be interesting to see if he pop, if he crops up again mm. um, I think he was I think and he should have definitely been having a standby contract with Williams but obviously they've gone for their um, their academy with Logan Sargent but it's, it's also sorry um, but yeah look at like look at his teammate this season you never know what happens in F1 and something can come up at the last minute so um you know uh, out of where you least expected it and yeah i don't you know i don't think it's the worst thing in the world for him to get that kind of divorce from hats yeah so there we go there's our top five drivers and our underrated driver of the year let us know your top five drivers i don't know why i'm saying that because no one ever says anything but i am anyway on twitter uh at wigan at f1 at nigel c general at fred coates 1999 at adam dickinson one we will be back for part two to talk about Ooh. races Ooh. and um Things. teams and moments oh. and Ooh. f1 and Ooh. our personal what okay no uh we'll be back next time three See you soon. Yes, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye.